Hello, one to go show fans. Thanks again for hopping over and listening to our podcast. Just a reminder, we have some exclusive content being posted weekly for the first six weeks of 2021 only on our YouTube channel. So if you want to jump over there to catch those interviews, it's the one to go show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you'll see those new exclusive videos each week. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho and V. Bert Lehman bringing you, I guess, the first of the year, episode 61 of the One to Go show, um, the first of 2021. Bert, Happy New Year, man. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Uh, hopefully, uh, 2021 is a little bit better than 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people and some people said, man, I had the best year that I've ever had in 2020. So, I guess I guess life is what you make of it, right? We were throwing some curveballs, and the the people that found out how to maybe kind of hit that curveball, they some of them hit it out of the park, and some people are going, man, what the hell just happened? We we need we need this year to be a lot better. So, regardless of the fact, you know, there's going to be racing going on. It's already started. Excited about that. Uh, we we did get to watch quite a bit of racing last year, which was good, you know. But the fact of the matter is. Yeah, I agree with you. We all want this COVID crap to be done. We all want the politics crap to be done. We just want to get on with life, focus on what we can do, and uh, have a lot of fun doing it. And you know, race fans watching this, I hope you are. I hope you're getting some value out of this. There's so much craziness going on in the world out there. I hope that we're able to give you an hour, hour and a half, sometimes escape from all that craziness in the world. I guess that's kind of the goal. We just like to have fun talking racing. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick to that, right, Bert? Yeah, we that that's correct. And uh, you know, uh, there was a little bit of a of a break in racing around the the Christmas uh, holiday, but uh, um, it's I mean, uh, there was a few races last week, and we'll go over those. But uh, you look at the upcoming events, and it's like the season's almost in full gear already. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's crazy. <clears throat> we'll talk about that in just a little bit here. And I know there was a race that I knew you wouldn't miss. I mean, it was, uh, there was a dirt late model race already happened. You know, the hangover down at the 411, Seymour, Tennessee, you know, Bert, uh, I know that you said you watched the late model A-Main there. You know, what did you, what, what kind of stuck out to you in that one? Yeah, I, I did uh, watch the late model A-Main. Uh, I didn't, I did not watch the entire program. The entire program was what, 10 hours and 45 minutes, something like that. Yeah, nice quick show. Nice <laughs> quick show. I, I, in fact, I did talk to Puka. Um, he got to go down with the family to Arizona and he says, you know what, if I would have known that, I would have taken a detour. He's already called the track to figure out um, on tickets for that race for next year. In, in all honesty, <clears throat> that they usually run a good show. Um, it was supposed to be a two-day event down there. Mother Nature happened. They practiced, I believe, on Thursday. They said the track was really good. It was smooth. Rained all day Friday, Thursday night into Friday, canceled Friday. And and typically, if you have a two-day show, it's because you have so many cars, it's hard to fit that into one day, right? Mm -hmm. So so they, they switched that around. They made it a one-day show there on Saturday and <clears throat> 200 cars strong and Mother Nature kicked their tail on the racetrack i mean it was rough they had to farm it multiple yeah. times so you know they in, in fact i i went on their facebook page and 
you know, they're like, man, you know, we dropped the ball on that one. They, they apologized and they're like, we need to do better. You know, <clears throat> it is what it is. So that's all you can ask for. I don't think, uh, you know, there's not much you can control when mother nature pours a bunch of rain on you. We've all been there. We're dirt race fans. It happens. It's part of it. But, uh, you know, let's get to the racing side of things. What did you see in the late model race? Yeah. I mean, you were talking about track conditions. I mean, the track, uh, uh, was definitely rough. I was watching the race and I was thinking to myself, uh, yep, this track surface definitely has some uh, personality behind it. And um, I mean, I'm not sure how many cars started, but as I was watching that race, um, there, the announcer made the comment, yep, we're halfway through, 25 in, 25 to go. And I counted the cars on, on the track and there's like seven cars left on the track. And, uh, you know, Hedgecock, Five finished, yeah. <laughs> Hedgecock uh, was leading much of the first portion of the lap, but then he hit a rut, and his car almost flew into another car, and then he pulled off shortly after. Um, but uh, it was definitely a rough track, and uh, I think uh, Christian Hang Hangar, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Hangar, 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 whatever, whatever you want to call him, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think he had the fastest car at the end of the race, uh, but Pierce McCarter, uh, who was racing the Masters built house car, which I didn't even realize they had a house car anymore, um, was the leader. And it seemed like, I mean, the track was rough, but it seemed like McCarter found a lane on the track where it wasn't as rough and he was able to follow that lane. So if you wanted to pass him, you had to go into the rougher stuff. And uh, there was a couple of times in Hangar, <laughs> got really close but then he hit a rut and then you know he he bounced his car around and then uh he fell back a little bit but uh I also uh, I mean McCarter did win the race I did watch the post-race interviews also and uh they asked McCarter about uh they said it looked like you could put your car just about anywhere and he said my car was just going wherever it wanted to go you know because <laughs> you hit the ruts you have no no control over where it goes really so uh <laughs> You know, he, he kind of made light of the fact that, you know, you know, there were times when he had no control over his car. So, but I mean, a good win for him. Um, and, uh, you know, I know there are other divisions that race there and you saw some of those, correct? Yeah. You know, a little bit more on the late models, <clears throat> you know, that Christian hanger, that, that's kind of a common deal, right? <clears throat> you get on a racetrack that's got some character, it's rough, it's not, it's pretty choppy. Usually the fastest line on the racetrack is right through the holes. That's usually the fastest line, but it's kind of like running the cushion. You know, how many times we talk about Bobby Pierce, right? You live or die by the cushion. Yeah. And it's kind of what happened in the holes. I mean, he was charging. He got just to the inside of him. He hooked a rut and he lost like 10 car lengths. It was like all over and he caught him again. But, you know, it's one of those deals. And I've seen a lot of people say, I'm just going to get second, you know, because even <laughs> if he wins that race, pounding it through the holes, Typically speaking, it costs them more to fix it right. than it does the difference between first and second. But I get it. At least they were racing hard. You know, so, yeah, pretty cool to see the Masters build house car. I mean, maybe that's what that car needs to get a few wins under the belt. Track with some character, traction in it. But good to see Masters built back in victory lane. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to me, they had one roll over in hot laps. And it looked like he yeah, I, I did a, see that. <laughs> yeah, he caught a little bit of a rut, but it was traction up. It looked more like a traction rollover. And there was a rollover in a B main. <clears throat> what, what was interesting to me is there was only like 22 late models. 
they all made the feature. Why was there a B main? <laughs> I mean, you got a 10 hour and 40 minute race program and you're having a B main for a class that doesn't even have 24 cars. So that was <clears throat> confusing to me. I didn't really know why they had that. And then uh, looking at it here, the, the 604 lates, right? I kind of watched all of it because there wasn't a lot of racing to be had. <clears throat> and the 604 lates, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll post the video here, fans, so you can kind of watch it. If you're watching on, on Facebook or on YouTube, if you're watching this, take a look at this. The leaders, as you can see, they get together going on the front straightaway. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to let you make the judgment there. Needless to say, you see one gets upside down here. You make the call on that one. A little bit of excitement there with the leaders in the 604. I think Josh Seitz was one of them guys. Um, that, that was a little bit interesting. And what's crazy, Bert, is when the track gets character, you're going to see some action. And when you see some action, you might see some heated tempers. I heard the rumors. That kind of happens once in a while, right? So <clears throat> speaking of the heat, heated tempers, the mod feature, because I'm a mod guy. Got to watch the mod feature. Just is what it is, right? Early in the feature, maybe about halfway through getting into turn three, one of them ended up on the side. Didn't roll hard. Up on the side, comes back down and inverted. And <clears throat> if you haven't seen this, I'll, I'm posting it right now on the video. This was hilarious. I mean, this this was good stuff. This dude was so pissed off. He gets out of his car, and like you can tell, like he's waiting for that guy to come at him, right? He gets out of the car. He starts running on the track, falls right on his ass. Now he's really pissed. Now he's even more mad because not only did the guy wreck him, but now he looked like a bonehead in front of the whole field. So the guy comes by, he takes his helmet, bam, smashes it off his car, and it's like, man. All right, so. I know what helmets used to cost when I race, and I'll just say this, they cost more now, right? So let me ask you this. Should tracks confiscate that helmet and, and say this is no longer usable? If you take a helmet and you bounce it off somebody's race car, is it is there maybe, does that void a warranty maybe or something? I mean, maybe... If, if somebody did that, right, if a racetrack or a series says, look, you smashed your helmet off a guy's car, we don't know if that thing's any good anymore. We don't feel safe with you racing it, and they take that guy's helmet. That's a 1000 bucks, right? Six, uh, six to a 1000 depending on what kind of helmet you buy. Could be up, up to that, right? They take that guy's helmet away. Do you think that might deter him from ever, ever bouncing his helmet off a car again? Uh, yeah, I think that would be a deterrent. Uh, uh, I never, I never thought of, thought of it that way. Where you know, if you throw your helmet, bounce it off a car, that uh, you know, it's not, it might not be good anymore. You may have uh, um, messed with the integrity of the helmet, and uh, so yeah, that is actually a good point. And if yeah, if if tracks would take away a helmet, I think that would be a deterrent. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually saw that. And I, yeah. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this because he's a buddy of mine, but I saw Buzzy Adams do a similar deal. Um, there was a, I think it was with Jimmy Randall. I think he had a, con a confrontation with him. This was down in Wilmer, Minnesota, KRA Speedway. And this was way back. Buzzy was still racing a street stock at the time. And I'll, I'll never forget it. I was parked in the back. I was watching from the, like kind of the entry watching. That's where I parked. And next thing you know, 
Fuzzy gets dumped. I think he's up over the wall getting into turn one and he jumps out of his car and he does the same thing. He goes running at, at uh, Randall and he fell in the mud. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, dude. So then, <laughs> then he was really pissed. I'm like, it kind of brought back flashbacks of that. So, <clears throat> you know, tempers flare. It is what it is. Now in the mod feature, you know, the winner of that race. And I believe Josh Sice was racing multiple cars. Cause I believe he won the mod feature as well. I might have that wrong, but I don't think so. Dude, he lapped the entire field. Lapped the you know, Don't get too excited, okay? <laughs> because I think three cars finished the race, <laughs> you know? So there, there was less than 20 cars that started, but that track had some character. It took a whole bunch of cars out of the race. He lapped the entire field. I think there was only three left at the end. And he's like, you know, a lot of people don't like this kind of racetrack. I do. And uh, he must build his cars a little tougher. It was pretty choppy down there. But a couple things, couple other things that stuck out. Remember that deal that uh, Bloomquist had the 12 days of Christmas kind of going in? He had that, um, I guess they did like a raffle deal. I think people bought, bought spots and they could win a car. And a kid by the name of Brody Littleton won the Bloomquist car. Now, I didn't realize it, but it was a brand new 2020 Team Zero car, brand new car. I didn't know. Oh, really? I thought, yeah, I thought I it was didn't realize one. it was a brand new car. I thought maybe it was a used one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, <clears throat> they actually had him as the grand marshal, and this kid got to wave the wave the flag to start the race. He was kind of the honorary flag man for the super late model feature down there. And uh, they talked to him, and sounds like he's getting a 604 crate to put in, and he's going to run that in the 604 class, which is good. You know, we don't want to see him in the but man, I got mixed feelings on this deal. You know, I mean, it was really cool what Bloomquist did. I mean, it was. I mean, to see even to see his emotion when the kid was so excited on the other end, and that kid was so excited and he was crying, and Bloomquist got teared up. It's like it's kind of one of them heartwarming. It, it was actually a pretty cool deal, right? Then the other side of me is going. This kid over here, I mean, like literally just watching him talk and talking to him, there's no way he's mature enough to be in a late model. Like, what are they thinking, right? I mean, he should be starting in like a Hornet or a short tractor or something like that. I mean, because he just, <clears throat> that, so I'm kind of torn. I thought, like I said, it was a cool deal, what Bloomquist did and all the emotion. And it was kind of one of them, hey, this is a soft side of Scott Bloomquist. That was cool. It really was, but. I'm a little bit concerned about that kid being in a race car after seeing him talk a couple different times. I'm like, I don't think he's ready to be in a late model. I mean, that is just not smart. Even if it's a 604, you rip the front end off a late model. You're looking at a couple thousand bucks. If you figure right. out a nose piece bumper, front suspension, I mean, whatever. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that deal, Bert? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, it, it is a feel good story and, you know, you know, we don't want to take away from that. Um, I mean, I'm, I hope that, uh, you know, the kids' parents that they, they really think about the correct path that the, that the kid should take. I mean, there's nothing wrong with still starting out in a different division, you know, keep the late model, start out in a different division, get some experience and then, you know, uh, start racing that. Um, so, um, I mean, hopefully, they, hopefully they don't just put it together and put them in the car because yeah, like you said, I mean, one accident can be very costly. And then, I mean, they could be done for the year or forever. I mean, I can remember, I mean, this was, 
that this has, has to be at least 10 years ago, if not longer. Shawano Speedway did a raffle. They raffled off a uh, sport mod. That's when the sport mods were just starting at the Speedway. And uh, the person who won it, I don't think he ever raced it. I don't even know what happened to the car. So, I mean, those, those are feel good stories doing stuff like that. But then you never know if the car is actually going to get out on the track or um, if the person who wins it is capable of, of, of racing the car on the track. Sounds like he ran like, a, I don't know if it's called a micro late model, like a miniature late model type deal. He, he raced one of those and, and, and they, they interviewed him, you know, mom was there. They said, is this going to be out in 2021? And he looked down to mom, like, what do you think mom? And she's like, yeah, it's going to be out. And, and for all I know, I mean, maybe they're going to be smart, right? Maybe they say, Hey, look, here's the deal. We're going to get some practice nights in. Maybe they make them start in the back, right? I know I, I interviewed Kent Arment and his daughter. She started in the back, right? Cameron did the whole year. Maybe, maybe that's their plans. I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself on that, you know? So, I mean, hopefully they do that. I mean, it's, you want to see somebody get some track time, some experience, kind of get used to the speed a little bit before they get thrown to the wolves. But uh, needless to say, it's pretty cool. And another thing that stuck out to me there, Bert, is, you know, because there was not much else racing going on, I, I watched quite a bit of this show and, you know, I kind of tried my hand at the announcer side of things here this past year, had a blast doing it. So I'm like, I kind of want to listen to what, you know, the announcer says at this race. So I want to kind of hear how that goes. And, you know, a couple things stuck out to me. Number one is, you know, this time of year, if you jump on Facebook, you see people posting stuff like, hey, who wants to sponsor my race car, right? Or, hey, here's here's an opportunity, 500 for this spot and 1,000 for this spot. Contact me if you want to sponsor me. And I'm going, seriously? Like, that's, that's your marketing plan? I mean, this was ridiculous. And as a driver back in the day, I used to have the mindset, right, that, hey, we're giving you a lot of value. Your name's going on my car. I'll put it on there big. And I'll even put you on my suit. And I'll give you a couple. Back in the day, this wasn't the case. But now you get a couple Facebook posts. Okay, well, let's be honest. What kind of value is really there, right? What kind of value is really there? Because, you know, most of the time you can see at most one sponsor on the card. That's it. And you're hoping the announcer maybe announces it. But most of the announcers that I heard last year, the vast majority of them never say a driver's sponsor. And if they do, it's one or two. And, and I've, I've been on that side of things. And a lot of times you have time to maybe mention one or two sponsors, but if they have 10, 15 sponsors, there's just, I'm sorry, but there's just no way. I mean, the, there's just not enough time to do that for every driver. We can't, you know, oh, there's right. no way. Now what surprised me though. Okay. So I was listening. Did they mention any sponsors? Not only did this announcer not mention one single sponsor. I never even heard him mention a track sponsor. I never heard series. I never heard any, like no sponsors at all out of his mouth. There were several features, Bert. This dude didn't even announce the starting lineup. I'm like, what? You know, like, like, what are they paying this guy for? And and that really got me thinking. I mean, what what's your thoughts on on that whole deal? I mean, on you know, value, I guess, of an announcer at the racetrack. What do you well, like I mean, to hear from an announcer? I mean, I think uh, an announcer is is very valuable to the racing program, but. Uh, I, I think some people may have a misconception on where that value actually comes from. I mean, I think some people may uh, think the value comes from play-by-play -play of calling the race. And to me, that's not where the value comes from. 
because uh, to be honest, um, if you're at the track, you really can't hear the announcer during the race anyway, because the cars are so loud, you really can't hear the announce the play-by-play -play of the race. It's a little bit different now if the race is on is being streamed. Uh, if the announcer knows that the race is being streamed, uh, then then play by play becomes a little bit more important. I mean, I'm not saying don't do play by play. You still have to do play by play. It is important. But to me, the value of an of an announcer comes when the cars are not racing. Um, you know, like you said, na you know, naming the drivers, tell us where the drivers are from, you know. You know, if you're new to the track, you want to know who, you know, is there a traveler there? I always love going to like my home track and there's a car there I don't recognize. It's like, who is this guy? You know, that, you know, the announcer needs to tell the fans who the, who that driver is. And, um, and during the intermission is a time when the, to me, the announcer should really be making their money because they should be upcoming events at the racetrack, uh, what events are there for kids? You know, is there going to be a coin drop in, you know, in upcoming weeks? Um, you know, you can help promote other racetracks in the area. I know a lot of tracks in Eastern Wisconsin will do that. Hey, you know, next, next Friday at such and such speedway, my biggest pet peeve for, for an announcer. And I, I need to say this first though, I would never make a good announcer. So, so don't, you know, I, I'm not saying that I can do a better job than the announcers out there because I can't. I'm not a talker. Um, I, 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 I like sitting behind a computer and, and typing my stories. I, I don't like to tell the stories with my voice um, as much as, as a lot of announcers do. But my biggest pet peeve is when a track goes on intermission and then they, they turn on the radio and pipe that through the, in, through the PA system. That's not... That's not accomplishing, that's not trying to promote your racetrack or create buzz or anything like that. Um, I just, I don't think that's, you know, okay, if you have to go to the bathroom, fine, take a five minute break, put the, put the radio on, but don't have the radio on for the entire 15 minute intermission or however long the intermission is. Right. And, and you're a race fan. So you're looking at it from that angle. And I was a driver. Right. So I'm looking at it from a totally different angle. And, and I agree on the play by play at a lot of tracks, the play by play. If there's no streaming. Yeah, it's necessary. But a lot of times you can't hear it. So it is what it is. But some tracks have really good sound back in the pits. They have good sound in the in the back. You know, they're tied to maybe a radio station sure. they got streaming. So you need a good play by play guy there. But as a driver, and, and, and don't get me wrong, for the most part in my racing career, not only was I a driver, but I was a broadcast driver, right? I needed, there was no way I was going to race without all the great sponsors that I had on my car. It just simply was not going to happen. And in my mind, and in the mind of most racers, okay, now some of the racers out there are more educated and they're like, hey, we know that's not where the value is. But most racers, we, we've thought about it like, well, hey, what is the sponsor getting out of this, right? And initially, we're like, well, hey, we're putting the name on the car, right? And I've heard that a million times, you know, hey, I'll put my, I'll put your name on the car, $500 gets you this spot, 1000 gets you this spot, whatever, right? Okay, let's be honest, Bert, okay? Most of those sponsors, unless it's the primary sponsor on the side of the car, you can't see it. You just simply- oh, I agree, right? I agree. 
Then we're thinking, okay, and I've seen this in people's marketing plans. In fact, I've done marketing portfolios for people and I even put this in there because that it should be the case. I put in there, the announcer will mention your name, right? During, during lineups and stuff like that. Most cases, and there's a few announcers that are pretty good at this, there is. But the majority of them nowadays across the country simply do not take the time to get those sponsors. And that's partially on the drivers too, because the drivers should be going to the announcer, right? Or to the track and saying, hey, here's my information. Bam, give it to the announcer so they have something. We have my race pass. They even have a profile deal on my race pass where people can fill that out. It's crazy to me how many people don't even fill out their my race pass profile. Dude, it takes like 10 minutes, right? And, and we're talking sponsors giving you thousands of dollars or in some case less, some case more. And you can't take the time to put their name in there to make sure announcers have that info. Come on, that's on the drivers, right? But with that said, I... I, I love the announcers that take the time to get educated, right? Because you're right. I love, I love when they're filling in the blanks. But when, when I want to hear about a driver is hype. I want, I want the hype, right? Because a lot of fans, they need to be able to connect with that driver. If there's somebody like Kevin Burdick that won the 2019 Wissota Superstock National Champion, when he's being announced for the race in that next year, he needs to be announced as the reigning Wasota Superstock National Champion. That's just that's just how it should be. If somebody's the point leader at the racetrack, hey, your point leader here at the Shano Speedway is so and so. Say that kind of stuff. Or if there's a points battle going on and maybe there's a rivalry, play that stuff up, right? You know, hey, if somebody won the last three features in a row, I want to hear that, right? I want to hear if that person did that. That's somebody that's being a professional. Right. I hear you hear a guy we've heard of several times for uh, Ben Shelton. Right. Mm-hmm. When he goes down to, to announce, I've seen this on his Facebook page a number of times. Right. Drivers, I'm coming down to your track. Hit me up with your information so that I have something to talk about. He's proactive. He's taking the time to be educated so he can give value to the race fans. I right, man, that is that's that's the way it's supposed to be done. <laughs> you know, and, well, and go ahead. Well, I, I just want to, I mean, that leads into uh, being a, an announcer is not just showing up at the racetrack and calling the races. It's showing up at the racetrack, walk, walking through the pits, seeing who's there. If there's a new driver there, talk to them, find out information about them so you can relay that information to to the fans. Um, you know, talk to the local drivers, you know, hey, how'd you do, you know, if they raced the night before or two days ago or what, hey, how'd you do last night, you know, you know, because then you can, you know, and, and, you know, you know, a lot of the announcers in eastern Wisconsin are very good at doing this, you know, they'll, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, winner of the feature at such-and-such speedway two days ago, you know, and, you know, you need, it's, Announcing is just not calling the races. It's providing information to the fans that the fans do not have readily available to them. Yeah, and especially with my race pass and all, right? Because most of the tracks, you can just simply, you already know what the lineup is before the announcer even calls it. So, I mean, if you are if you have my race pass, if you have the app, you can jump on there and you can be like, oh, hey, here's the lineup for tonight's feature. That information is there. You already know that. So the announcer needs to provide more value than that. And, uh, you know, so when it comes down to the sponsors, that's why what I'm doing, you know, I'm just going to, I guess, give myself a little plug here. 
um, in the coming weeks, probably going to be probably the first week of February, I'm guessing, or right around there, I'm going to be doing a seminar on how to get sponsorships in dirt track racing and how to retain those sponsors, because I think it's something the drivers need to hear. So keep an eye on, on the Facebook page for that info, because uh, we can't be expecting the announcers to do all of our work for us as race car drivers. We need to be providing that value to our sponsors, because quite frankly, it's up to you as a driver to make sure that happens. It's, you know, as much as we'd like the announcer to do it, most of the time that's not going to happen. So, um, but it was cool. We're finally able to see some dirt track racing down there. Right. Yeah. So that was pretty yes. cool. And uh, I actually uh, did get to watch a little bit more dirt track racing than that. Did you, did you happen to watch any of the Tulsa shootout? I did not see any of the Tulsa shootout. My wife had surgery last week, so I've been a little bit busy uh, with with that sort of stuff. And uh, she's doing great, by the way. So all is all is well. Um, but it it took up some of my time, so I wasn't able to watch as much racing as I wanted to uh, leading into the into the new year. But uh, I know you watched the Tulsa shootout, and I know I remember we talking about this race last year and the number of cars that they had there, and we were just just amazed at how many cars show up for that event last year the record last year set the record it was 1397 entries i don't i I looked i could not find the exact number for this year i believe it was less than that you know obviously covid probably played a little bit of a part in that for some people but uh i think the record for that event though 1397 absolute insanity and uh you know, we can't, we can't talk racing without, you know, my buddy Keith would flip out if I didn't talk about the buggies here a little bit. So <laughs> there's a couple big stories that stuck out to me. I mean, there's a lot of races. I'm not going to recap all of it. I'm simply not gonna, but one of the, one of them was there was an incredible weekend by Pennsylvania's Brian Carver. Um, raced in, I believe, I think he ran in four of the seven divisions. He took home two of the golden drillers. And, and that's the big trophy that you get. When you win the Tulsa shootout, you get a golden driller. He won two of them and he got a second place finish to boot. So a hell of a weekend. Now, here's a couple of guys that he beat when he won those races. One of them, Christopher Bell got second. That's kind of good. good. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> above, slightly above average. And uh, the, the second place in the other one was Sunshine Tyler Courtney. And uh, he's another guy that's a stud in the open wheels. So hell of a good weekend to him. Now, the biggest drama, Bert, and, and on this show, we like drama. It just is what it is, right? I don't like being part of drama. I have been part of drama. I probably will be again. But here we just get to make fun of it, right? Which is a lot more fun. And that was in the window law, amen. Okay? Now, Jonathan Beeson, last year, he got second in this event last year. And uh, on he appeared to, appeared to take the lead. There was a restart on lap thir- with 13 to go. And the leader, fans, you watch. I'm, I'm playing the video right here. You can see the, the leader kind of fired. He kind of hit the middle. To me, it, you know, I think Beeson just got a great start. It looked like he fired. It was coming off of four. That guy was up in the middle. He dove on the, underneath him, wasn't all the way by him. It looked, it looked to me like a, a great move for the lead. The race went on, but the commentators were talking about it, saying, oh, I wonder if he's going to get docked. They must have been docking people all weekend, I'm guessing. And uh, there was a yellow, four to go, right? They didn't, they didn't, like, go green and then yellow and then put them back to spots. They waited until the next yellow came out, four laps to go, and they said, you, back two spots. I'm like, oh, ouch, ouch. 
So he gets docked two spots. His teammate, Mitchell Moles, ends up winning. Beeson gets back to second for the second straight year. Painful. They interviewed him. He's like, I, I don't think I did anything wrong. You know, racers never do. So, <laughs> you look at the video here. I posted it. You make the call on this one. Myself, I think he got absolutely screwed. I thought it was terrible. But I, I guess, you know, I'm glad I'm not an official. I can put it that way. So, Bert, yeah. I got a question for you. Actually, yeah. anything else there? Did you have a question there? Uh, I just wanted to say I hate that docking rule. Um, where they wait until – I mean, if there wouldn't have been a yellow at all, I mean, he had no chance of winning. I mean, right. at, I mean, at least – with the yellow coming out, he still he still had a chance to pass everybody to win. But if there wouldn't have been a yellow at all, he had no chance of winning because they would have docked them at the end of the race. Then, yeah, exactly. So I, is... I, I don't I don't like the docking. I'd rather throw the caution right away and dock them right away. Yeah, I, I'm with you totally on that one. I totally agree. I don't think he needed to be docked at all. But if they're going to dock, definitely throw the yellow. Give that guy an opportunity to win. Um, instead of just completely taking the race away from them. That was bullshit. Now, here's a question I have for you. So the big news kind of as, you know, over the last few weeks here is Bristol. And it is absolutely insane how fast the entries came in. And, and the last number that I saw, and I know it's higher than this now, but the last number that I saw, you might have some, some uh, info on this, was 1,225 entries. But after that, they did a couple drafts. So I, I feel like that number's higher than that. I'm, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen anything to confirm that. The question I have for you, Bert, the record at the Tulsa shootout is 1,397 entries. Is Bristol going to be over or under that number for, for that big event they got coming up? I'm going to say under. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say under as well. I don't know how much. I mean, there is, it's in March. There's a lot of people really excited about it. And uh, several classes of cars. And the whole goal to that event, of course, is to get that track rock hard for the NASCAR race, which frustrates me because I want to see the NASCAR cars run on a little bit of character, but uh -huh. they would probably all crash if that happens. So that's not going to happen. So you, you can count on the fact that the NASCAR race is going to be black like asphalt. Not it, right? But the dirt <laughs> yeah. races will probably be pretty good. Um, you know, now you remember back in the day, they were busting wheels out and stuff like that. Did you happen to see, I know David Rudiman posted a warning on there. Rocket Chassis posted a warning on there. What, as a race fan, you know, when you see that kind of stuff, what kind of goes through your mind? Um. Well, I mean, I mean, I've followed NASCAR, you know, since the eighties. So, I mean, I know the type of place that Bristol is. I mean, it's, uh, it, it can be hard on, I mean, and the NASCAR cars are built strong and, you know, built for that type of track. But I mean, some, I mean, let's be honest, some of these weekly, uh, some of these cars that the weekly racers race aren't up to the specs that NASCAR cars are. So, I mean, I believe it was Bristol where Michael Waltrip hit that pit opening and it it basically split his car in half. Um, I mean, Bristol is a fast track and, you know, you have to take some safety precautions. I did find it kind of weird, though, that all the safety stuff 
came out after they had the registration. Um, so it's, and that's, that's kind of why I, well, not kind of, that's why I'm leaning under on the car count because I think, I think there may have been a mentality of, oh, it would really be cool to race Bristol. Let's sign up. But then as it gets closer and you realize the safety equipment that you have to have now, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe not everybody who registers maybe won't go. Um, but regarding the safety equipment, I mean, I believe that anybody who wants to race there, plans to race there, should have safety on their mind. I mean, I saw a discussion on one of the racing Facebook pages that I belong to, and somebody made the comment that, you know, well, uh, a Hans device is a little bit of overkill, and it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> NASCAR requires a Hans device. I mean, and I don't even think a Hans device is, is required. I don't have a neck. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, the thing is racers spend this money putting their cars together and stuff, but then safety equipment, like a Hans device, they feel that that's an unnecessary expense. Well, you may feel it's unnecessary until you're in a really bad accident and you get injured and then you will, you know, you wish that you would have spent the money to uh, be as safe as possible, you know, have the, as much safety equipment as possible. And, and I get it because that, that was me. I was that guy, right? When I was racing for most of my years, I, I didn't even have enough money to race. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I Some of you listening to this will shake your head and some of, some of you are going to be like, yeah, that was me. There was years that I floated checks all weekend long, hoping to cover them on Monday with my winnings. So, you know, that extra, I don't know what they cost now, six, seven, eight hundred dollars for a piece of safety equipment. To me, it should have been a priority, right? But it was not a priority. I'm like, it don't make me any faster. Even driver suits. I mean, how many times do you see people with holy driver suits, single layer suits that are that are like five years old? Clearly, they're not gonna stop the fire and at all, right? And is it responsible? No. Um, it's, it's kind of on the track level, the track, because drivers are their own worst enemies. I was one, I know. And, and the tracks really should be, you know, I've been to tracks where they do a safety deal. In fact, uh, Wilmer was one of them. I mentioned Wilmer earlier. I don't know if they do it anymore, but I remember going back, uh, back, I guess, in the mid 2000s, that if it was your first time there, they did a safety inspection and you got a safety inspection sticker and they checked out your seat and how it was mounted and your seat belts and window net and your, you know, your racing suit and your helmet. They checked all that stuff out, which at the time I'm like, what a waste of time. I got crap to do here. Get away from me. I'm busy. <laughs> right. And now looking back, I appreciate it because at least they're, they're, you know, they, they genuinely cared and, I mean, there was nothing that frustrates the driver more. You get to the track and you're like, oh, your seatbelts are outdated. You can't race. And you're like, what the hell? There's nothing wrong with them. I get it, you know, but but the fact is they got to say, I mean, if you're not going to look out for your own safety, somebody should be. And I think every track should do a, a, some kind of a safety checkpoint deal. I think they should do that. I think that that's an important deal. So I guess hats off to the crew down at Bristol for doing that, especially knowing how crazy fast that place is it's it's twice as important there as it is everywhere else but it's i've seen some bad accidents happen on little bull rings too so it's important oh, there. oh right right so, and i mean i 
I'm curious because they're racing some sort of Hornet class there too, aren't they? I mean, yeah, like 175 of them or some crazy <laughs> thing registered for that deal. It's like some cars will bust in that, but they don't. I mean, they don't go that terribly fast anyway. But oh, you know, yeah, I guess I guess it is what it is. You know, that just shows the mystique of of that place. You know, one of the last great coliseums I've seen them call it. You know, yep. that that place has uh, there's a lot of people excited to get down there. Of course, that's going to be on Race XR. So you have to have that subscription. Yeah, and um, I mean, with it being IMCA sanctioned, I mean, there are it, actually more than a handful of drivers from Eastern Wisconsin who are registered to race in that event. So I mean, it will be fun to watch if if they all go down there. It will be fun to watch them and see how they deal. Yeah, and and they actually have two classes of modifiers, right? They got the IMCA mods, and then they're running like a a UMP slash USRA rules class as well. So there's two, they're both, they're going to look pretty much the same, but there's two classes of modifieds. And I talked to uh, a sponsor of Aaron Johnson today, um, Troy down at Brandle Motors, and he said he usually runs his crate stuff, but when they go to Bristol, they're taking an IMCA open motor down there because they're they're like, that's a big half mile. I think there's going to be advantage to having some ponies underneath the hood at that one. Well, I guess it will be interesting to see how many crate motors are down there and i mean because i mean let's be honest i mean most of the imc mods now are crate motors so it'll be interesting uh to see what the mix of of engines are down there yeah that'll be and it'll be interesting to see who wins i mean i'll, I'll be honest if a crate motor wins that race i'd be taking that thing apart because <laughs> i <laughs> i just don't see how a crate motor can win on a big half mile i could be wrong i've never ran one but I'd be pretty skeptical when you need all the power you can get. I'd be bringing an open motor down there. So get a hold of your local engine builder for a crate killer to go down to Bristol for sure. <laughs> you know, so, so that's a little bit of the recap of this last week, Bert. The off season is officially, well, off season. What off season? <laughs> that really ain't an off season, right? But it's officially over. We're getting in to some hot and heavy racing starting this week. But before we do, you know, what's your thoughts? You know, there was a time not real long ago, where at least for me, racing season kind of got done middle of October. And then really there was, you know, a few months off speed weeks kind of started in February, maybe a race in January, whatever, not much, but now there's really not much of an off season. I mean, especially if you live down that way, I mean, they're racing like 12 months out of the year. I mean, it never ends. Maybe, maybe a few weeks in December off. Is that good? Is that bad? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, this is kind of a cop-out answer, but there, there's advantages and disadvantages of it, of it. Um, but I mean, when I was in college, so that was in the early nineties, I mean, it was, you know, the race season would end in, I don't know, October or, you know, early November, um, on the national scene. And then it wouldn't open up again until speed weeks down in Florida in conjunction, you know, prior to the Daytona 500. I mean, that was, that was a schedule. It's like, you know, speed weeks is when the new season starts. Um, back in the early nineties though, I do remember watching, um, uh, that's when the TNN network was still at the Nashville, uh, the Nashville network. And they would show, I believe it was in January, maybe it was in February, they would have uh, like, uh, 
I don't think they were World of Outlaw sanctioned, but they were like World of Outlaw sprint cars racing in Arizona. And so I would record those on my VHS tapes and, and watch them when I had time. Um, but, you know, because I remember Stevie Smith, uh, Sammy Swindell, you know, those types of drivers would race in in uh, that event. So that's the, those are that's really the only racing I can remember um, outside, you know, of these of december but yeah now it's just straight through and i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing i mean as long as you're racing in a place where the weather is decent i mean you can't well i mean i guess there is racing up in this this region in the winter if if there's enough ice on the lakes i mean actually ice racing that we're in the area where i live ice racing is actually a pretty big deal um so but yeah um i'm kind of rambling here <laughs> but <laughs> well, I don't know if I could have did it right because the way it worked for me. And again, I was the most of the time that I raced, I was not real good with money. I'll just be honest with you. Like I, I was always broken. I always had bills to pay and I would race all season long when in our season ended kind of the first week of October. And then by that time, most of my stuff was pretty wore out. Right. So then I would get my point fund money and, and that type of deal. And I pay off my tire bill and try to hopefully pay off my tire bill. And then I would, then I would sell the car or whatever. And I'd have a new car because I, I couldn't have a car and get a car. I didn't have enough money to do that. So I'd sell car A, I'd get car B, you know, and then I'd have a laundry list of stuff I still had to get. And I'd get sponsor money and I'd do what I had to do to, you know, get some income, you know, and then about racing season, about the beginning of April, I'm like, man, we, we barely got this in together because financially, you know, there was no way I could do it. So it's just confusing to me how people can race all year long you know, have, you know, multiple cars and do that, you know, I, I think it's a little tougher and, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting, I guess. And does it, does it take the novelty off? Right. You know, if there's, if there's racing like every single week, all year long, 12, 12 months out of the year, does it take the novelty off where it's just like, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really need to watch this weekend because there's so much more racing going on. Is there any of that? Well, I don't know the answer to this question, but maybe this racing um, that has taken place over the last month, month and a half, has always taken place every year. We just didn't know about it because there wasn't streaming before. Um, I mean, if, if you look at who has been racing in these races the last month, month and a half, um, most of the national guys haven't been racing. So they're creating their own off season because they know that you know, once the season does get started in January and February, it's a long haul until the following November. Um, you know, so the national drivers really have, haven't been racing in the races that have been taking place the last month or so. Um, so, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure if these races were taking place previous years, but we just know about them now because of the streaming and, um, uh, there's more coverage of these events now. Yeah, that, that's a very valid point. In, in some of these tracks, maybe maybe that are running now, maybe they actually had two months off before they in between races or whatever. So, so, so there is that. So let's talk. We got we got some upcoming events coming up, Bert, and uh, we'll start. You know, I guess uh, down at the Coke down in Cocopa, Arizona, the Cocopa Speedway. I think this is right by Yuma, Arizona. So from what I understand, it's literally like. A half mile from the Mexico border. Like you want warm weather, 
go to that one, <laughs> right? And uh, this is actually going to be on IMCA.tv. It's the Winter Nationals down there. This is an IMCA show. They're going to have mods, uh, sport mods, stock cars, hobby stocks. And uh, it actually starts Wednesday. It starts, uh, so it's Tuesday. We're airing the show. Hopefully I have this up. It's, hopefully it's Wednesday morning when you're listening to this. <laughs> so tonight, right, it starts. But it's the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. And then it's the 14th, 15th, and 16th. So they have actually uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off in between there to kind of do your thing. And a couple guys heading down there from Minnesota, um, Tim Gonska. He went, he's going down with an IMCA hobby stock. I believe he won the championship down there last year, ran very well. Um, Aaron Johnson, a young gun in the mods, 21. He had a big win down at Boone this year. He's heading down, and Brandon Bombardo, another hobby stock guy. So they, they race kind of the Brainerd, Princeton. They race that area in central Minnesota. So it's kind of cool seeing those three head down there to give me something to kind of keep an eye on. Good luck to those guys. And uh, the ice bowl, talking about a race, Bert, you said maybe this stuff's been happening for a long time. Yep, you're right. This one has. This one has. <laughs> talk, talk about uh, what's going on down in Talladega. Uh, well, it, uh, and uh, Michael Page is the defending champ at this race. Uh, the race is going to be uh, uh, streamed on Flow Racing, so if you have a subscription to Flow Racing, you'll be able to watch it. But uh, 6000 a win for uh, the late models at this show. So, uh, you know, I am sure you'll get some of the top regional uh, racers racing at that event. Yeah, they usually get a pretty good turnout. They're interesting racetrack, right? You can drink in the pits, but not in the stands. I always thought that was really? weird. When I was, yeah, it's weird, <laughs> weird. Yeah, totally. It's a unique deal down there at Talladega. But uh, I, I wonder if you're going to maybe, you know, looking at the results, like it's mostly been pretty, pretty regional deal. That Michael Page, though, he's a pretty good wheel. I, mm -hmm. I, kind of, I watched him. He's, he's a pretty good wheel. It'll be kind of interesting to see that. That's Saturday and Sunday this week, like Bert said, on Flow. And uh, the one I'm looking forward to, Bert, I've been looking forward to this one. Okay. I was actually <laughs> thinking about going down there myself, um, opted against it. I'm probably going to be kicking myself in the tail for that. But the Wild West shootout, Queen Creek, Arizona, that's coming up here. Uh, I guess it starts practices Friday. Saturday and Sunday, the 9th and 10th, they race. They race the 13th, which is Wednesday. And then they they cap it off with uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's going to be on Flow Racing. The Dirt on Dirt Boys are going to be there. Ben Shelton, um, he's putting this deal on. He has done a lot of work putting this deal together. Hats off to him. Hopefully it goes well. And uh, I, I, what sticks out to you about this event? Kind of what are you watching for? What's your thoughts? And then I'll give a couple thoughts on my end. Um, well, um, I'm really looking forward to this event, just like you are. Um, I mean, I, I think this event has uh, become the unofficial opener of the, of the racing year, I think, for the last five years or so. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing um, some good young drivers down there and seeing what they what they can do. I mean, we have a, there's a few from uh, well, I guess technically two of them are from Minnesota, but uh, Dustin Sorensen and Jake Tim, you know, uh, they've posted on Facebook that uh, they're going down there. And I do want to say Jake Tim's late model looks really sharp this year. Uh, does, that would look does. that would look that would look very nice as a diecast, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, 
Mitch McGrath from Wisconsin uh, is planning on going down there. Uh, Jason Fegger, uh, you know, he doesn't travel as far sometimes, but he's making a long drive down there to race. Uh, I, it was really cool to see Rodney Sanders uh, has a late model put together for this. Show. I don't know if that's an entire year deal or if that's just for the Wild West shootout, um, but uh, he'll be down there. Uh, with the late model and modified, if and I'm from not what mistaken. I, and from what I read on that, Bert, is he's going to focus on the late model. And if that's going well, then he's going to pull the modified out. But it, it sounded like that he doesn't intend to pull the modified out until he's got the late model going good. So that that's interesting. Okay. I don't know if that's going to be his focus for this year or not, but uh, hell of a race car driver for sure. Okay. And, um, uh, Interesting that Jonathan Davenport will be going down there. I'm wondering if he's he's going to do some testing. Well, maybe not testing, but he's going to try to get some good vibes going for the season. Uh, after uh, I mean, he finished what third in the points. Uh, you know, it's it's not that's not a horrible year, but for Jonathan Davenport, that's a that's not a good year. So um, yeah. I, I'm thinking he's going down there to try to get his season off on the right foot. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what he does down there. Uh, I do want to make a point that, uh, you know, the wild, you pointed me to their Facebook page, the wild West shootout Facebook page. And I mean, we've talked about Facebook and, you know, some of the evils of Facebook that it can do to racing, but I think that their Facebook page, they they're doing a great job of promoting this event by posting photos of the of the cars, of the drivers that plan on being there because what that does, it just creates excitement. It's like, Oh, I want to see Jake Tim race there. See how he does against, you know, some of these uh, more well-known drivers uh, and, you know, Oh, Davenport's going to be there. You know, how's he going to get started this season? So I, I think that's a great job of promoting the event to create excitement and buzz. I, I 100% agree. And again, hats off to Ben Shelton with NSR Mafia. If you're looking for a website in the racing world, hit that guy up. He did Buzzies, um, so you can kind of check out Buzzy Adams' page on there. But, uh, man, he does he does a great job. Hell of a promoter. Very good at what he does. And uh, you're right. I mean, they've been working on this deal now for several months already, promoting it, you know, and getting the names out there of all the mods and late model guys. I mean, there's some hitters. And, and one, you know, one that I'm going to keep an eye on, Boy, he looked good down there last year. Brian Shirley yeah. was, I'm telling you, like, I think he was a step up. Brandon Shepard was fast, right? But Brian Shirley looked really good down there last year. And uh, I'm going to be interested. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of repeat what happened down there in 2020. You know, the question I have is, so the, they have the Kaiser quarter million, okay? They upped that deal. And actually, this is the first time ever. I think the final night is 25000 to win. Um, Shaw Trucking, Don Shaw, Minnesota guy, owns the I-94 Sure Step Speedway. He put extra money into the purse for that night. So the finale for the late models, twenty five grand. So we're, we're talking some real, real ching here. But if somebody wins six of six down there in the late models, they're going to get a $250,000 bonus. Is that humanly possible? And if so, who's it going to be? Well, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I, I don't see it happening uh, with the quality of drivers that that it looks as that's going to be there. 
I just don't see somebody winning all six races. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> the only guy that seemed to slow down, right? The only guy that slowed down Brian Shirley last year was Brandon Shepard, and we know he ain't going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see now. It, it doesn't stop there. If you win five or six, they'll give you, you know, they'll give you a little bonus. They'll give you a hundred grand. That ain't nothing to he's at, right? That, that'll definitely get your attention and start your season off in style. And if you win four or six, they're going to give you a $25,000 bonus. And the first driver to win three of them is going to get a $10,000 bonus. So pretty cool deal. A little incentive there, a little extra cash on the line. You know, a couple guys. Uh, one guy that I'm going to keep an eye on, 20RT, Ricky Thornton Jr. He is going to be, I, like, I think that this is his year. I mean, he looked really good last year. Hell of a race car driver, his home state. I'm going to be keeping an eye on him. Um, Davenport. Did Davenport always, did he drive for Lander's dad last year? Was that was that his car owner last year? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Yes. I, I wasn't sure I, on I, that. I, I think for, for a couple of years, he's been driving okay. for that team. Okay. So he's heading down there. So it's going to be interesting to see JD. I mean, they openly admitted that they struggled last year. They were frustrated. They were disappointed. So now they're, they're taking another swing at this deal, getting off to a start down there. That's a good idea for them because what a perfect opportunity to test, to kind of get the rhythm going, right, before they get over to Florida I mean, you look at some of the guys who are going to race that in Florida, unless they're going to go race the World of Outlaw stuff at Volusia, which some of them probably will. But I think this will kind of give them a little bit of a leg up. Um, Jared Landers, a late entry down there. Yes, I was I surprised that. to see that. I <laughs> thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, man, there, there's a guy that barely raced at all over the last couple of years and be kind of fun to watch him as well. So lots of good guys, you know, and now we'll jump into the other classes. I mean, the mods and the, they call them X mods. You can call them B mods, Midwest mods, whatever you want to call them. Right. But let's face it. I'm kind of a homer, but our Wasota boys have done kick their ass over the last couple of years. And I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Right. <laughs> Dustin Strand, the defending champ in the modifieds. Um, he's heading down buddy of mine, good buddy of mine owns the debt. We talked about the devil's Lake speedway. Um, I got to get to that place this year. I've seen some good races online, but uh, the owner of that Nolan Olmstead, he's heading down there. He's only got a few races and he ran a little bit last year. And he's like, actually, he told me, he goes, well, calm down. I'll let you drive one of the nights. I'm like, uh, I probably should. I probably should. I probably <laughs> should surprise him. He, he let me drive one too. But uh, good luck to him down there. My buddy Wade's heading down there. Shane Sabraski, who had a banner season, regional driver of the year for the one to go show. He's heading down. Um, there's a ton of guys. I mean, Tyler Peterson, um, Trevor Anderson is heading down there. You know, so, I mean, there's between the Midwest mods. Last year, uh, Skeeter Esty, he won the Midwest mod points. He's not making the trip. He went he's going A mod racing this year, not going down there. Um, Cole Searing, I believe, won that a couple years. So, I mean, our mod guys, I, I like watching that show. Don't get me wrong. I love the late model show, but I personally like watching the Midwest mods and the mods because a lot of them are our area cars going down there to compete. So I just want to say good luck to everybody. Represent well. I'll be watching. Bert will be watching. I'm sure Puka will be watching too. And uh, looking forward to seeing all them guys down there. And I want to see all of our guys steal the win every single night. So um, any predictions there, Bert? Um, I am going to. I'm going to predict that uh, Jonathan Davenport has the most feature wins in in the the in all all of the races down there, all the features down there. 
how many? I'm going to say three. <laughs> Old. Bold. Well, I, you know, he's got it in him. The dude can flat all wheel. I mean, you know, he's not a well, well champion. No reason. He, he's raced in, in this event before and he's he's done well. I remember uh, um, him winning races down there. So um, I think he's going to, this is going to be his first step to uh, uh, rebounding this year. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, if there's a guy that can do it, it's him. And, and let's face it, everybody has a bad year. Everybody. It's just part of it, right? Bad year, third in points, horrible jump, right? <laughs> Should probably retire. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, and, and the sport needs it. The sport needs JD to run good because nobody wants to see a runaway in the points. I mean, in a perfect world, there's a five-way battle for the point lead in all the series going into the end of the year. So we all want to, we all want to see him do good. Now, the guy that I'm going to keep an eye on, and I kind of hyped this guy up all year long, and I, I think he's one of the most talented drivers in the country – uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. Um, that's going to be my guy to watch. I'm going to I'm going to go with the same there. I believe he's going to win three of those. And uh, the guy that I'm really curious on though is is Squirrel. I'm really curious on Squirrel because you know it's it's weird. Like sometimes you watch him and it's like, what the heck is he doing? Like he just struggled with the Lucas Oil deal, but then he runs the Hell Tour and he looked like a man on a mission. He's down there and he looked like the fastest guy on the planet. I'm like, my goodness. So I, I want to see if he can back up what he did last year. And he started off the season in style, impressed a lot of people. And uh, I'm going to go on the mod side here and I'm going to say Dustin Strand doubles up and wins back-to-back -back series in the modifieds as well. So with that said, let's get to the last lap. Little World of Outlaw late model news, Bert. What do you got? I like it. Um, uh, it uh, four drivers have announced that uh, they're going to be uh, competing for Rookie of the Year um, this coming season. And what I like the like about these four drivers is, it seems like a lot of times a driver will announce that they're going to run for Rookie of the Year, but they're really not a well-known driver. Um, but there's no other competition for rookie of the year. They're, they're the only rookie. So, you know, it's just, as long as they hang on for the whole series, you know, they're going to win rookie of the year, but this should be a pretty good battle. Uh, if they all stick it out throughout the whole year, uh, you have Tony Jackson, Jr. Announced, uh, the Reaper, Ryan Gustin. That's the one I'm really excited about. And then, uh, Ross Bales, who had a great year this last year racing regionally it'll be interesting to see what he what he can do on a national tour um and then ryan scott uh those four drivers have announced they're gonna run for rookie of the year and i mean i think it's i mean we've had this discussion before on you know which series has the best talent lucas or uh world of outlaws and it seems like most of the young drivers gravitate to the lucas oil series so it's good to see these drivers um uh, going to the world of outlaws and, uh, in, you know, injecting a little bit of youth and um, good hard racers to that series. Yeah. And I, I believe Strickler and RTJ are, are going for the rookie deal in the Lucas oil, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I don't know if there's anybody else that got added in there. Now I heard a rumor and I don't know if this is true or if it's been confirmed, but rumor has it. Tyler Bruning, Shane Clanton might be making a return to the World of Outlaws series. Have you heard anything there, Bert? Um, I just heard the same rumor that you heard. I don't know if it's true or not, 
I mean, if it is true, it makes sense. I mean, Clanton has had his most success racing in the World of Outlaw Series. I mean, he's won the title in that series. Um, so it would make sense if it is true. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, now you start looking instead of the, you know, when they come up to our area, instead of them bringing eight, nine cars, I mean, we could be talking 15 travelers. That could be a pretty cool deal. Pretty excited about that for 2021. And another guy I'm excited about, and, and he's a local, he's the one Minnesota guy in the World of Outlaw Series. And I'm going to be honest, he struggled the last few years. Man, I, I like, I'm sure he had been questioning, like, should I even keep doing this? We're talking about the B1 bomber, Brent Larson. And he's making a couple switches. He switched to rocket. I talked to Brent and he says, look, there's way too many rockets on the series and way too much knowledge to just, I've been struggling. I need to get just on the same page. And uh, I'm looking for him to have a turnaround year. I'm not saying he's going to go out and light it on fire, win a bunch of races, but for the most part, he's not been all that terribly competitive. Like he'd been struggling bad and jumping into a rocket that's going to give him a leg up, right? I, I believe it's going to get him on the same page as long as he can kind of follow their system. And, and I'm looking for him to improve his season drastically. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see that. And also congratulations to him. He signed on Motul Oil is a primary sponsor of the B1 Bomber. And I, I love him. He's a good dude, right? Brent's a good dude, but I'm going to be honest. The last couple cars were not <laughs> nice looking and, I saw the I saw the print for this one. It's pretty sweet. He, it looks like it looks like it's gonna be a pretty sharp hot rod. Probably one of the better looking cars that he's had. So also excited to see that. It's called visual horsepower, right? So I think that's gonna be an advantage. So congratulations, good luck to Brent Larson. And uh, another thing on the late model season, um, somebody's gonna be kind of making a debut down at Speed Weeks. What do you got there? Uh, Stuart Free is it Friesen? Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Uh, he'll be making his late model de debut at, at Speed Weeks. If you're not familiar with him, he's a big block modified guy. He's also raced uh, in the NASCAR truck series. So, uh, you know, it, it's good to see some, some new blood, uh, in the late model ranks. Um, do you have anything else to add on him? Yeah, it sounds like the only time he ran a late model was a crate deal. I think something to do with Chubb Frank. I don't know if it was one of his cars or whatever, like 10 years ago. But the way I look at it is this. Winners win is what they do. I'm not saying he's going to jump in and win, okay? Let's be realistic, okay? But the fact of the matter is, if he's been successful racing the big block mods, if he's been successful running the NASCAR, you know, the Craftsman Truck Series, He's going to eventually be successful running a late model too. They said that he's going to debut down there. Speed Weeks is up in the air. I think Trucks is his focus. So it'll be interesting to see how many shows, what all of that he runs. But it's going to be kind of fun to see another, I guess, uh, you can call him an open wheel guy. If you call a big block mod open wheel, I guess it's kind of open wheel. It's different open wheel, right? It's more like, I guess it's like a sprint car with a body on it, really. But uh, it'll be interesting to see that down in Florida. Good luck to him. And, little bit more news in the late models, right? We got news. We got, we ain't been on the show here for a couple of weeks. We got news. What, what's going on with uh, the not so smooth operator? Uh, he's got adding some help to his team. Uh, he's partnering with uh, Cody Mallory and who I believe was on Jimmy Owens 
team last year, wasn't he? He was. He was um, with Bloomquist for a long time. And then he uh, then last year, I believe he was the crew chief for Jimmy Owens. They did not have a very good year. Um, <laughs> only won the Lucas Oil title. Very sharp guy. Very sharp guy. And uh, also part, they're also partnering with uh, Chase King and Pierce is going to uh, be driving the new design of a Stinger chassis once it's uh, completed. And uh, so he's adding, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Pierce raced hard last year, but he didn't, you don't, you don't remember him in victory lane a whole lot. Uh, so it seemed like there was something missing a little bit last year. Um, now what I did through on dirt on dirt, watching the, uh, I think it was like in September watching the videos where they went to the shops of the different drivers. Um, they mentioned that Bobby Pierce bought all the equipment. I mean, he's actually, he actually owns that team. His dad doesn't own the team. So, you know, maybe some of that, uh, played into it. Uh, but I mean, like you said, you know, Jimmy Owens, uh, was in a slouch last year. So adding, uh, uh, Mallory could really uh, boost Pierce this season. Absolutely. And there's another guy that's heading down to Arizona, Bobby Pierce, right? And uh, I know um, they said Cody's going to be down there with him. He's going to be running his car from last year down there. So that's another guy. That track, he struggles. It seems to struggle if it's super slippery. But last year, that track had some attitude. So he could be another guy to keep an eye on down there in Arizona. Um, now, we can't talk news without talking sprint car news right so uh world of outlaw sprint car standout driver shane stewart right and uh we saw him win last year in the 41 car i believe at the end of the year he jumped in that car and won hell of a good race car driver is now transitioning from driver to promoter we've seen this happen delansky did it you know we've seen a lot of drivers transitioning over to the promoter side and he's going to be promoting the porch city raceway in tulsa oklahoma so uh Good luck, Shane. That, that's a, it's a different venture, but he's been around racing for a long time. And, you know, it's just good to see people taking that next chapter in their life. So it'd be kind of fun to see how that season goes for him. On the flip side of that, Bert, you know, a track that we've seen quite a bit on Dirt on Dirt over this year. There was quite a few races, you know, everything from World of Outlaws. I think uh, um, they had uh, the, the Fall Nationals down there. Sonoya, Georgia. The, what ha What's happening there? Um, the promoter has lost his lease, uh, to that facility, unfortunately. And, uh, it sounds like, uh, the owner of the facility, uh, would rather sell it than lease it out. And, uh, so their, their 2021 season is, uh, kind of up in the air because, I mean, obviously if you don't have a lease to the track, you can't promote it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bad deal. It sounds like they put a lot of time, a lot of money into it. The, the guy that was promoting it, his dad was heavily involved, passed away. And it sounded to me like it was the same day that they called and said, hey, look, we're not renewing your lease. So holy cow, like what what a day. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of keep people in tune what's going on there because they have a lot of races um, on Dirt on Dirt that we watched last year. Now, speaking of streaming stuff and technology, my race pass. Okay, this is my race pass, if you're a racer and involved, you know what my race pass is, right? But uh, they started a deal last year, Fantasy Racing, and my buddy Jeff Krause said, hey, um, did you see that at Tulsa they were paying the top five? And he tested me. He got sixth in the Fantasy Racing point. <laughs> so he was just outside the money. I'm, And there was no entry fee or nothing. Now, it looks to me 
like this fantasy racing from my race pass is transitioning into awards money being paid out Bert, your thoughts well it it doesn't surprise me i mean the fantasy sports industry has just just uh I mean, you can't even say it, it's grown. I mean, it's exploded over the last few years. I mean, actually, uh, back in 1999, I started working at, well, I mean, actually, I played fantasy sports since I was in college. So that was the early 90s. Uh, we, I mean, we would actually hand do our stats. We'd get the USA Today and type into a spreadsheet, the, you know, how many assists the basketball player got and, you know, that sort of thing. So I've been playing fantasy uh, baseball, football, and, and um, um, basketball since I was in college. I only play fantasy baseball now. I don't do football or, or um basketball but uh, when I worked at Krause Publications when I got that job in 1999 uh, part of my job was uh, working on Fantasy Sports Magazine where we would uh, you know this was really before all the computers got into it so um, that was what Fantasy Sports Magazine was one of the first fantasy sports magazines available in the industry and actually Krause Publications uh, helped uh, lead the birth of fantasy sports in the beginning uh one of my co-workers i mean he was heavily involved in fantasy sports and um i mean he he's one of i would say he's one of the one of the people who helped promote fantasy sports to where it is today uh but i mean it's not surprising that it it's uh creeped its way into racing i mean uh you know with uh racing becoming more popular i mean I mean, let's be honest. I mean, well, th there's no money. You said that you don't have to pay to get into this, but I mean, everybody. So far. So far. So far yeah. I'm sure that'll change <laughs> as it grows. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this country has a little bit of gambling mentality to it. So uh, whenever there's a chance to win money and, you know, other people can make money trying to get people to win money, um, it's going to continue to grow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that good, bad, indifferent? I mean, I, I, I watched a little football this weekend and I, I, I think Doug Peterson maybe had like a <laughs> conversation with Vegas and Vegas said, Hey, we need like, you got to start, take your starters out. <laughs> you know, that, that's uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you start looking at that, you get into some of these big races, if they get a lot of money on the line, does that open things up to like, well, you know, we'll, will fade a little bit or I mean I mean in college when you were doing that how many of your buddies on the basketball team did you say look dude only win by four <laughs> only by four <laughs> well we didn't have fantasy college basketball but no I I see where you're coming from um yeah I mean I mean I guess there's always that possibility um I I do find it uh, interesting sometimes when uh you know I'll be watching the NFL I don't watch too much NFL pregame but I'll be watching pregame and, you know, like a reporter will state that, you know, I have so-and-so on, you better do good. I have you on my fantasy team. It's like, isn't that kind of weird? I mean, you're reporting on, on the sport and you have a fantasy team and you're talking to the players that are on your team. Oh, they all do. Every one of them, every one of the commentators. I mean, you, they all, every single one of them does. I'm still bitter about fantasy football. I, our championship went into week 17. My quarterback was Josh Allen. And uh, let's just say that that didn't work out real good for me. I, I benched him because, and then I put in uh, 
a different quarterback and I ended up losing in the final by just a handful of points because half of my players didn't play, which sucked. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I, I'll probably participate because if I'm following the races anyway, mm-hmm. right, I'm watching them anyway, you know, I'm sure I'll participate. So it'll be kind of fun. You know, you just jump onto my race pass. I think you have to have an account. If you're a driver in Wasota, I think it's free. But uh, if you're not a driver, if you're a fan, I think it's like 40 bucks for the year or something like that to be a my race pass insider. So it, it's technology is kind of moving on again, right? It's just it's just part of the sport, part of what it is, good, bad, or otherwise, it's happening. And, uh, hey, I want to give a quick shout-out, Bert, uh, you know, a buddy of mine, Andy Hoftag, I he used to pit for me back in the day, race, you know, he raced himself and um, they got their season off to a start and his son, Clayton Hoftag, they went down to Palmyra, Missouri here this past weekend. Buzzy's kid, Blake, went down there too. He actually beat Buzzy's kid three out of four times, which getting her done because Buzzy's kid pretty <laughs> darn fast, but he won two features out of the four that he was in. So off to a good start in 2021. He won the junior one uh, track championship last year at the Ogilvy Raceway in, in the cart class there. So um, good job, Clayton Hoftag. Keep up the winning ways. Look forward to seeing uh, more of that go on in 2021. Yeah. How old is he? Oh, I don't know. I think he's like 12 or 13. He's okay. pretty young. He's pretty yeah. young. Somewhere yeah. around that neighborhood. I, I, I'm sure it won't be too long before he, he's uh, behind the wheel of, of an actual car. So, uh, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Always... His dad drove, right? His dad drove. And then his, his grandpa, which is Dick Moji, and then his, uh, his, his uncle drove as well. So, and then I think, yeah. So he had several family members that have been involved with racing. So that's the next natural transition for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to see young drivers uh, have success and then see how they transition uh, into, into uh, racing an actual vehicle. And, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the high moments of the sport, but unfortunately there is also some sad news over the, over the last week or so. I mean, you want to expand on that? There really was, you know, and it's, it's, we're, we're getting to that age birth that the people that we grew up watching race, uh, some of them are, they're not staying with us. Right. And uh, three people passed away over the last couple of weeks. And I want to give my thoughts, our condolences from the show to them, their families, their, their fans, um, Bobby Satterdahl. He ran the number 98 late model down from the Southern Minnesota area. He made many trips up to the Hibbing Raceway. Um, he passed away just a week or so ago, 81 years old. And uh, I just remember several times seeing him go around in 98. Uh, another one that, lot younger i think this guy was only in his 50s um howie shill and this is a guy this one hit kind of hard for people in the wasota community um his son cole shill um really really turning it on in the late model class howie of course uh you know ran nlra late models ran up around the grand forks area a bunch um, i remember him coming over to the hibbing raceway as well so condolences to their family and then uh another guy a wasota board member bert passed away uh, Mark Gear. Uh, Mark was a tech guy. He worked over at the KRA Speedway, multiple different tracks that he was involved with. Just one of those guys at the track that was super easy to get along with. Not the prototypical tech guy that like is arguing with people. This guy was a guy that was just, he was friendly. The conversation was always good. You know, so from all of us at the one to go show, just want to give our thoughts, our prayers, our condolences, you know, to the loved ones, all the family and friends and everybody involved with those three. And, you know, it's just, uh, 
one of those things. We got to really appreciate the people we're around while we're around them because you just don't know how long that's going to be. And, you know, I, I do got to mention one last thing before we round out the show. I got, we got called out here on Facebook and last, uh, our last show, we kind of had the best of 2020 and we gave the best national racetrack. If you remember the falls, right. Fairbury. And uh, my buddy, Tony, he says, I think you guys made a big mistake. I, I think you guys had a gross oversight here and probably we should have given it to Weber Valley Speedway. I, I did not really pay attention to that. Probably correct. But uh, we already gave that award out. So Weber Valley Speedway is ranked number one starting out 2021. We'll have to see how Gates Martinez and the boys do and uh, see how things uh, transfer down there with the bang bangers. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw you, I saw on Facebook, you blame me for the oversight. So <laughs> yeah, I said, you got to blame Bert Lehman for that one. That's totally not on me or Puka. So but uh, that, that, that deal cracks me up. If you check out Weber Valley Speedway on Facebook, my goodness, you'll, you'll get a good laugh for sure. And I don't know if you remember what Bloomquist actually, they, they, he did a little interview right there said, I'm coming for you. Gage Martin, remember that deal? That was, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty good stuff. So you got to have a little fun once in a while. But uh, again, big time looking forward to the Wild West Tour. Again, good luck to all of the the northern drivers. You know, whether you're Wissota, you know, or, or, you know, over from your direction over there, there's a couple guys, McGrath heading down, you know, represent us well. You know, we're going to be watching. So if you do anything stupid or if you do anything really good, <laughs> we're going to talk about you. So, you know, hey. Any closing thoughts there, Bert, before we end episode 61? Uh, no, I mean, just uh, happy to be back talking about racing. Um, I mean, it seems like uh, just yesterday we were enjoying the holidays. Well, actually, it kind of was just yesterday. Uh, but it's good to be talking racing again. Absolutely. So, race fans, uh, there it is, episode 61 in the books. I'm Ryan Aho. That's the Bert Layman. As Puka always says, go out there and be your dream. We're the one to go show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.